Hi, I'm Marty Church and welcome to my camp. Today I would like to tell you the story of a remarkable native woman. She lived during the days when America was being born. Because they couldn't pronounce her native name, the first American soldier simply called her Polly Cooper. We're camped here today in northern New York State, right in the heart of this beloved woman's Oneida Nation homeland. She was loved and respected for her kind service to George Washington and his troops. Polly's people, the Oneidas, were known as a proud yet very spiritual nation. They hated war, yet they loved freedom. Interestingly, they showed mercy both to the British and the American wounded. They seemed to know the Lord's command to love your enemies, be kind to those who hate you, and show mercy to those who despitefully use you. The story goes that one night, Polly Cooper appeared at a soldier's campfire, quietly announcing that she had come to serve them. She helped cook and gave medicinal aid to the soldiers. Several of these ragtag American troops were dying of exposure of the cold and disease and poor food. The greater number of Washington soldiers who died during the war died of sickness rather than in battle. This, of course, had brought the morale of the troops to an all-time low. When asked why she had come, to help these poor soldiers. Polly explained that she knew that all these boys had mothers that couldn't be there, and so she had come to be a mother to them. She explained that she believed it was the great Spirit of God that was leading her to serve. For weeks, she cooked and nursed both officers and field soldiers alike. As a result, the health and morale of the whole army rose considerably. Washington took note and never forgot what she did. After a while, Polly felt she had to return home to take care of her people. As a result of her absence, the morale of Washington's troops went down once more. Washington knew he couldn't wage any kind of successful battle campaign against the British with his troops in this condition. History records that he earnestly prayed to God for help if this country was ever to know freedom. It was then that Polly Cooper reappeared with some of the Oneida men who were driving horse teams, pulling wagons filled with dried corn and apples. She showed the starving troops how to cook the corn and she brewed natural medicinal remedies for their sick. As a result, the morale of the whole army rose to an all-time high. It was then that Washington rallied his troops on that Christmas night of 1777 to cross the icy Delaware River as the British were finishing celebrating the holiday. Catching them off guard, winning a decisive battle, they then pressed on to Saratoga to win another. These two battles became the turning point meaning independence for what we know today 
as the United States of America. George Washington did not forget the mercy that Polly showed to his troops. After he became the first president of this new country, he honored her in a ceremony, giving her a token gift of appreciation. It was a beautiful French shawl, which the United people still have today and cherish. Why is this story so important to us as Christians? It's because it's a wonderful illustration of what happens when a person allows the Holy Spirit to live in their hearts. They looked at life differently than the rest of the world does. They became givers instead of takers. There is born within them a genuine love for others and a desire to serve. Like Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve. It's vitally important to our Creator how we treat others. Because you see, how we treat others reveals to God and to the world what we are really like inside. It's God's plan that we reflect His character of love. This is how Jesus judges as to whether we're safe to save or not in His eternal kingdom. This is something we all must understand. The Book of Heaven says, when Jesus comes, there will be only two kinds of people in that day. Those who will be saved and taken up to heaven and those who will be lost and destroyed by the brightness of his coming. This is a very important fact. Our eternal life or death will be decided before Jesus comes again. Because at that time Jesus says, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. So Jesus knows who will receive what kind of reward. You see, the judgment will not take place after his coming, like some think, but rather before his coming. In the last chapter of the Book of Heaven, Jesus will say, He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. Notice that the ultimate choice is ours, to be filthy or to be holy. It's not what you know, but who you know that makes the difference. Friend, do you know Jesus today? Is he your best friend and Lord and Savior? He longs to be. The choice is yours. Jesus won't take everyone to heaven and then have the judgment up there. It would be terribly cruel for those judged unworthy to be told that they didn't make it and that they would have to go back to this earth and die an eternal death. The Book of Heaven says that God's judgments are good and just, and He doesn't rejoice in the death of the wicked. So. If Jesus will have already decided who will be saved or lost before he comes again, the next question naturally is, are we being judged now? The answer is yes, we are. First, if we die before Jesus comes, we are then judged at the time of our death. The Book of Heaven says 
It is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. When we die here on earth, our story is done. Jesus judges us by how we have lived. At the second coming, the Bible says, many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. So you see, there is no second chance to make things right after our death on this earth. Friend, this is why the Book of Heaven says, today is our day of salvation. If you hear His voice, harden not your heart. In the last days, before His second coming, Jesus will judge us by name as to whether or not we are ready for eternal life. This is what he says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, he will then sit on the throne of his glory, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as the shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then he will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. We know from previous studies that Jesus is our only way to heaven. How do we show that Jesus is not only our Savior, but also our Lord? For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. What Jesus is simply pointing out here is that our actions towards others shows and reveals whether or not we have truly allowed the Great Spirit to lead in our lives, making us servants of God. But here's a very important point. It's impossible for us to love and care for people consistently in our own strength. We all have a carnal nature, and because of this, we're not able on our own to do what is right or genuinely love other people. The effects of the sinful world have basically weakened and twisted our motives to the place that it's impossible for us to consistently love people. Only as we allow the great Spirit God to help us can we have unselfish hearts. The Book of Heaven says, Our whole head is sick and our hearts are faint. From the sole of our feet to the top of our heads, there is no soundness in it. We have to have the power of the Holy Spirit working within us in order to be loving and good. This is so important to understand. Jesus says, without me you can do nothing. The key to being a genuine Christian is found in learning to abide in Jesus hour by hour, minute by minute, for everything. Jesus says, Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in a vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. As I said earlier, the judgment is based 
on whether or not we choose to allow Jesus to abide within us or not. To understand this business of abiding in a more practical way, did you know, for instance, that all of us make at least 10,000 decisions of some kind or another every day? The Book of Heaven says, God's true followers are those who are learning to turn automatically to the Lord in every situation. It's an attitude of our mind to let God help us with everything we decide all day long. Look at these beautiful flowers, how they naturally turn to the sun in order to live. So it's part of God's plan that we too must naturally turn to the Son of God in order to live a victorious Christian experience and to receive eternal life. This is so very important to understand because when we get to heaven, we will see that all those who are there are there because they have developed an attitude of total surrender and dependence upon their Lord. Letting the Great Spirit lead us will ensure that in heaven, sin will never raise its ugly head again. This business of abiding in Christ in everything we do is so important for us to understand. As I explained this earlier, I'd like to explain it again. Every day we have a choice of choosing to look to the Lord for help in every difficult situation. Or we can look to ourselves, focus upon our own powers to do what is right. The Lord says He wishes us to always keep our focus on Him for everything. And when we do, He is able to live out His life in us. He's able to make all things work together for good. I want that, don't you? When we spiritually grow like this every day, we have absolutely nothing to fear as far as the Judgment Day. There is no fear in love. Love casts away fear. You may be asking, how do we stay close to the Great Spirit God like this? How do we open our hearts and lives to Him? It comes through prayer, also learning His will for our lives and sharing what we know about our friend Jesus through our actions and our service to them. Praying, learning, and serving, these are the things that keep us close to Jesus and helps us to grow spiritually. When we do this, our Creator God will take care of us. All things work together for our good to those who love God. When we stay close to the Holy Spirit, it won't be such a struggle to be kind and to live the life that God has asked us to live. He will empower us to do these things. The Book of Heaven says, It is God who works in you, both to will and to do His good pleasure. We will then experience a peace that passes all understanding. That is how Polly Cooper was able to be a kind, tender-hearted mother to all those soldiers who needed help. As we look about us today, we can certainly see that we're living in the last days just before Jesus returns. The floods, the hurricanes, terrorism, wars, famine, diseases, all this tells us that we are going to see Jesus very soon. Are you ready for this?
Are you still running your own life your own way? Or are you learning how to allow the Holy Spirit to do it for you? These are the questions we should be asking ourselves now. If Jesus was to review your name in your life today, just what would he see? Does he see the results of the Holy Spirit working within you? Does he see you on your knees asking him to change you and to save you and to be like Jesus? What made Polly Cooper's life so powerful and memorable was because she was a woman who allowed the Great Spirit to guide her thinking and her actions in the way she served others. As a result, her life altered history. God has a plan for your life too. He wants to do great things for you and through you. Won't you let him? I have a friend who has a son who seems to be always going through one problem after another. Many of his struggles he brings on himself. When I've asked my friend a time or two how his boy is doing, my friend has given me an interesting answer. My son is still trying to run his own life. Are you still trying to run your own life? Getting nowhere? Running into dead ends wherever you go? Our Creator offers to help run your life for you. I guarantee you that you will experience victory over your problems and you'll find rest for your soul. Surrender to Him today and give Him a chance to help you. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Only the Holy Spirit can change our hearts and deliver us from all these heavy burdens we carry. Friend, are you struggling today? Are you wrestling with habits or addictions that are taking you down? Give it to the Lord. Are you having a hard time with your relationship towards other people or maybe someone that has hurt you? Do you deal with feelings of angers that just won't go away? Put them in the hands of Jesus and keep them there whenever they crowd into your mind. He will take care of them. Are there confusing questions as to why certain things happen? Ask the Lord about Him. He has promised answers in due time. Our Creator is waiting to help you and me through all our struggles if we will just let Him. I'd like to have you meet my friend Liz Obamswan. This is her country. This is her nation. She's invited us here and I've asked her if she would tell you her story. My name is Liz Obamsawin. My Indian name is Yekatahio. I'm a member of the Wolf Clan of the Oneida Nation, also called Oneida'aga, people of the Standing Stone. It's part of the Oneida culture to be a giving people. And because of that, it was very easy for our people to become Christian. But when they become Christians, they even learned more how they could give and how they could serve others through the example of Jesus, who taught us what a wonderful, wonderful thing it is to not be selfish and to reach out to others. Because that's what it's all about, is giving. Now God gave His Son to die for us. Jesus gave His life for us. What a wonderful thing it is that we can give our hearts back to Jesus. People who are true Christians 
they're not going to be perfect, but their heart's going to be right, and you have to be patient with them. But at the same time, um, it's a growing process. We need to uh, continually trust in Jesus. Jesus said that he came to serve, not to be served. And we see that throughout his entire life, how he was constantly giving to others. And that's how the Oneida people were, that constantly giving of themselves. And that, that was one of the reasons that Polly Cooper made such an effort to um, help the soldiers at Valley Forge. She gave of herself because that was our cultural teaching and it was also the Christian teaching that was, that was throughout our nation. And the corn was a very important part of our culture. The corn beans and squashes are the three sisters. And uh, their duty, of course, is to be our sustainers of life. They sustain uh, life. They're, uh, it's a very powerful combination of food that can literally get you through the entire winter. So we had a lot of corn stored throughout the year, uh, particularly in the winter time. And when the Oneida people heard of the struggles down there with Washington um, and his soldiers, they all rallied together. We understand that Polly was there throughout the whole winter and helped the soldiers in any way that they could and later in the battlefield to take care of people. So she was a very influential and very giving woman. So let's remember as we journey on this trail of life that in the judgment, the Lord will judge us according to our relationship with Him and our service to our fellow man. He says, this is the conclusion of the whole matter. Love God with your whole heart and your neighbor as yourself. The Book of Heaven says that for the first thousand years of eternity, we'll have the privilege of asking questions about all the things that perplexed us here. Don't you know that the saints will judge the world or ask questions as to why God allowed certain things to happen the way they did? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? I have a painting I'd like to show you. It was done for us by A.J. McCoy especially for the study. It's a picture of the ten virgins in a parable Jesus told. He said that when he comes again, it will be like a group of bridesmaids who represent God's people who are waiting for the bridegroom, Jesus, to come for the wedding. While waiting for him to come, the bridesmaids all fell asleep. But when suddenly he came, five of the ten had run out of oil for their lamps that they were going to be using at the wedding ceremony. And so they were left out. When Jesus, the bridegroom, comes for his people, there will be many professing to be looking for his return. But they won't be ready. The oil that keeps us alive in Christ symbolizes the Holy Spirit burning within our hearts. Only those who have learned to turn to the Holy Spirit in all matters of life will have the light of His presence and will be ready for heaven. He may be deciding even now who will be saved or not saved in that great, great day. The choice is yours. Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord? 
Are you learning to put all your concerns in his nail-scarred hands? And are you allowing him to use your talents and abilities in helping others? Are you keeping all of your life's affairs before him? If you are, Jesus will stand before the great judgment throne of God to cover your sinfulness and shame. Friend, eternity begins here and now when we let go and let the Lord lead in our lives. Won't you let him? He said, I will be with you always, even unto the end of the world. He loves you. He died for you. And he's coming again to give you eternity. I want that, don't you? And so, friends, until next time, let only the good spirit guide you.